Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Bonnets Hicks. And today we're going to do a special episode for an upcoming feast day, which will be on this upcoming Thursday. And it's about St. Benedict. And obviously, being a Benedict monk, Father, you're going to know more about him and the importance of celebrating um, the, the saints, obviously. So I, I just want to give it to you quickly and let you guide this ship as you're going to be able to do better than I will. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I, I thought it would be uh, nice to discuss a saint that I'm obviously closely affiliated with. I am a Benedictine monk, and St. Benedict is the founder of the Benedictines for uh, the connection being obvious there. St. Benedict lived 1,500 years ago. It's, it's really amazing to think about that. His legacy, we could say, his rule of life, his example of monasticism has spread throughout the world. There are thousands of Benedictines throughout the world today, uh, hundreds of monasteries, I think, uh, well, well over 100, yeah, certainly well over 100 monasteries, I'm sure over 200 monasteries around the world, Benedictine monasteries, and it's lasted for 15 centuries. I don't even know that any of us strive for that. We uh, live in such a transient age, a, a throwaway culture, as Pope Francis calls it, that, you know, we, we're happy if things last for a year or two and we're ready to buy a new version or have a new thing. But um, 1,500 years, it's really amazing. <clears throat> and the church celebrates him now uh, since Vatican II. He's on the calendar on July 11th. And so just a few days before July 11th, it's nice to awaken uh, people's awareness. And, and as a result, my monastic community always celebrates uh, our, our vows around that time. So we have several monks who will be, uh, we have a new monk being received into the monastery as a novice and several monks who will be making their first vows on July 10th. And then on July 11th, we celebrate the Mass for St. Benedict, and we'll have five monks making their solemn vows. So it's a particular time of celebration in our community. And for interesting reasons that uh, I actually made my vows on July 9th, which I believe is the day that this podcast will drop. So you can say a little prayer that I continue to be faithful in my own vows. That'll be 20 years of vows for me from 1999 to 2019. And I made vows to a Benedictine monastery uh, to follow the, the rule of St. Benedict, to live in the spirituality, the, the spiritual heritage of St. Benedict. And we've talked about uh, Benedict, uh, St. Benedict and Benedictine monasticism a little bit on previous podcasts. You uh, kindly asked me, Joe, about vocations to religious life, consecrated life, and uh, how that works and what that means and, you know, maybe stirs a little bit of interest in the hearts of our listeners, uh, especially our young male listeners uh, who might want to become Benedictines. And there are also female Benedictines. Uh, St. Emma Benedictine Monastery is just about a 20-minute drive from us at St. Vincent, and there are Benedictine monasteries all over the world uh, of women as well as men. St. Benedict's twin sister was St. Scholastica, and so she was the first female follower of her twin brother and lived out monasticism as, as he did in separate monasteries and is the kind of mother of, of Benedictine women. But <clears throat> St. Benedict has obviously a, a, a lot to teach us as Benedictines, but he really has a lot to teach everybody 
as Catholics. And I want to just offer a couple of points from uh, Benedictine spirituality that can be helpful for everybody as we try to live a more faithful Catholic life and try to be holy. And so uh, we get some of these points from his rule. His, his rule is, uh, can be a little bit difficult to read because you, you really need the context of it. You need to understand how some of the vocabulary fits together. A little bit like reading the scriptures, you know, the, maybe the first time that people pick up the scriptures, especially some of the passages, you know, like uh, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Like, really? I mean, you know, or, or you'll be cast into fiery Gehenna. It can be a little bit jarring if we don't have a context for it. And, and then we understand, you know, where, where Jesus is using hyperbole on the other hand, where he doesn't use hyperbole. So uh, knowing how to read these things, having somebody to guide you into it is important for the rule of St. Benedict, like it is for scripture. But when you have kind of some of the keynotes of it, it's really it's some, a lot of beautiful teaching in there. Uh, it, it's extremely practical in some sense. You know, it says like how much food should be put out and how much wine should be put out and uh how much how many times the monks should uh should eat and also what they should read and exactly how the psalms should be arranged for prayer i mean there's some very practical things but then also some very high principles of spirituality and so one that i want to focus on is uh, saint benedict makes a comment we know that god's presence is everywhere. And it's worth just stopping there. We know that God's presence is everywhere. Now, we know that as an abstract theological principle. But what if we became aware of God's presence everywhere? And one of the things St. Benedict realizes, and it's at the beginning of his chapter on humility, is Think about the difference of when we know that somebody important is is watching us, somebody who's important to us. So I think of, you know, maybe uh, when I was a when I was a boy playing soccer and my dad was watching. I really I want to be my best. I want to be at my best in those moments. I want to make dad proud of me. You know that that's the kind of impulse that Saint Benedict has. What if we were aware of God's presence? everywhere, all the time, as a loving father. That's the first line of the rule. Listen, my sons, to a master's instruction and attend to them from the, with the ear of your heart. They come from a father who loves you. And if we were aware of the presence of our loving father at every minute of our day and everything that we were doing, what would that do to us? What would that do in our hearts? How would that change us? How would that help us be at our best? And, and also be humble. You know, I, I know I'm, when my father is there, I know I'm not the father. You know, it humbles me in a good way that I can be a son, that I can receive his love, that I didn't create myself, you know, that I, I've received everything. And yet I can per perform, I can succeed, I can excel as a son in a way that makes my father proud. So there's this whole dynamic that St. Benedict taps into. And then the whole rest of the rule really is arranging the life of the monk to be aware of the father's presence. And so whether the monk is listening to his abbot, be aware that the abbot bears the 
presence of the Father. It's actually what the word abbot means. Abba is the word father in Hebrew. And so the abbot is the one who is the, in, the, in the place of the Father. So that's kind of an obvious one. Uh, and then he says that God is present in the sick of the community. I was sick and you visited me. He quotes from the scripture. So in the sick, the elderly, the, the infirm of the community, God is there. And then he says, when we gather for counsel, make sure that you also include the young monks, because God often speaks through the young monks. Think of Daniel. Think of Samuel. And so God is present in the young. And then he says, uh, when, you're, when you're taking care of the tools of the workshed, treat them like the sacred vessels of the altar. So God is present in our work. God is there in our work. And he says, when the bells ring to call you to prayer, it's the voice of the angels. It's the voice of God calling you to prayer. So when we hear the bells, it reminds us that the Father is there, that he's calling us. And then he says, and not only be obedient to the abbot, but be obedient to the brothers, because God is present in the brothers of the community. And we have this mutual obedience to, to hear the voice of God in the voice of our brothers. And, and then he says, you know, when you, when you arrange the dining room, the refectory is the Latin derivative. When you arrange the dining room, set it up like the mass with the abbot presiding and, the, and, a, and a prayerful silence, beginning with a prayer and hearing the word as you're, as you're eating. There's a reading at table like there is at the mass. So when you're eating, think of God's presence. Think of, think of prayer, the mass. <clears throat> and then he has some large periods of time just for private prayer, for reading the word of God, for letting God speak to us in his word. So in, in all of these different areas of the monk's life, he's helping us to tune into the presence of the Father and to be aware of, uh, of a Father who loves us. And we have, there, there are chapters on committing faults. There are chapters on, uh, on the way that we ask for uh, the goods of the monastery. There are, there are chapters on the, the arrangement of the day so that, you know, things are in, in such a way that we can be aware of God's presence. So, so that's a, a key point, that we can be aware of God's presence, aware of the Father who loves us at all times. But then he helps us to, to tune into that. He, he recognizes St. Benedict is very realistic. Uh, like he says, he has a couple of great lines in the rule. Uh, in the chapter on Lent, he says, we know that the life of a monk should be a continuous Lent. <laughs> oh, and he says, but since few have the strength for this, <laughs> it's very realistic. You know, he's, so, so we should be living this. And, and what he sees in Lent is not just a burden that we carry for 40 days. But he actually, he uses the word joy only twice in the rule. And in both times, it's in the chapter on Lent. Because what he really sees in Lent is an anticipation of Easter. And really, that's what our whole life is, is an anticipation of the eternal Easter. We anticipate resurrection. We anticipate new life. We anticipate the fullness of life that our hearts are aching for. And so the life of a monk is a continuous Lent because we're anticipating Easter. But 
he says, you know, few of us have the, the strength for this. We need some reprieve. We need some Easter's. We need to, to release ourselves from the burden and kind of take a deep breath. You know, we need an intermission. And he says, so at least during, at least during these 40 days, let's really try to live this like a Lent, you know, and kind of, kind of pull in the excesses that develop over time, you know, throughout the rest of the year. Let's really pull it back and live the monastic life for real during Lent, because we know that it's hard for us to live it the rest of the year. You know? So let's at least do this time the, the best that we can. Let's be at our best. And he has that idea in terms of the presence of God, too. He says, we know that God's presence is everywhere, but let us at least be convinced of this when we are about the work of God, which means in chapel, singing the Psalms, celebrating the liturgy of the hours, the divine office, the mass, at least when we're in church together, worshiping God, at least then let's be aware of the presence of God. If we can tune things in around that reality, being at prayer, being in church, if we can be at our best at that time, knowing that God, a father who loves us is there, if at least at that time, we can kind of like get the station right on the dial. We can at least tune in the radio to hear clearly the signal from, you know, the father's voice coming to us. If at least then, okay, well then that can spill into the rest of the day. Then we can learn to be a little bit more tuned in when we work, maybe by remembering what it was like when we were in chapel, when we heard the voice of God and remember, yes, he's also here in my work. If we can hear his voice in the in church, then we can learn to hear him more clearly in the abbot. If we can hear his voice in church, then we can learn to hear him more clearly in the young. If we can hear his voice in church, then we can learn to hear him more clearly in the sick and so forth. Then it spills forth. So we're always resetting ourselves, kind of like Lent does for the whole year, so the church time does for the whole day. And this is the way that St. Benedict really tries to tune us into a spirituality of being constantly aware of God's presence. And again, trying to make things be an extension of church. You know, it's a practice in a lot of Christian homes. There's a practice of having a holy water font. You know, you're allowed to have those. You can have that in your home. And so that just reminds you, maybe when you come in the door, maybe for your bedroom, wherever it is, that you have a little holy water font to to remind you of what it was like in church. You remember when you dip your finger in the holy water, that kind of tunes us into church. We bless ourselves. Remember that our life is in the context of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It starts with baptism. We can bring that into our house, or or we can bring an awareness of the feast days, the liturgical calendar. We can be aware of the fact that it's the Feast of St. Benedict on July 11th. What if you just had a little reminder of that? You just said a little prayer to him in your house. Maybe put up a picture of him with a candle just on that day. It tunes us into church and to the presence of God. Or when we have meals, if I could eliminate one thing, I would eliminate meals in front of the television. If we could be, if we could do one thing, it would be to have the meal just a little bit more like church. We have a pretty good practice of prayer before meal in our Catholic culture. But if we can just be a little bit more aware, put our minds to church for just a moment as we enter into a meal. If when people went out to work, they could just begin their workday with a little prayer or a little crucifix to remind them of the presence of God. Whatever it is, you know, uh, just these little ways to connect with the 
the divine presence that we experience in church on Sundays. So just to, just one little point of Benedictine spirituality. We, uh, maybe uh, you, you picked up something and I can go a little deeper. I can always uh, expand. I live in this world of Benedictine spirituality. Really, St. Benedict is such a great teacher for us and a great example. But, but just the divine presence, God's presence is everywhere. Let's be at least aware of that when we're in church and then let that spill into the rest of our day. Yeah, the 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 thing that I got the most out of what you were describing with your role there was not taking the obvious things for granted that are very hard because they're obvious. Um, it started with the first thing you said and also the last thing you ended on there was being that God is everywhere and in everything. And, you know, for most of us, we don't reflect upon that. You know, for some of us, it's just too big of a concept. And what your role was articulating was to have essential intentional reminders so that this obvious knowledge doesn't wash away into commonplace. Said another way, you're not going to take it for granted. And that's the, uh, the problem of complacency and apathy. And I know that in my world, that that's a very common thing. You know, even if we're working on a three-week project, the fact that they know they're still going to be there tomorrow and they can put something off, you know, that's complacency. And one of the things you said in the middle there was that essentially life is a Lent. And while we all know that we're going to be judged one day, I don't think how much of us actually have looked at that. And the other thought that I had coming out of that section you were talking about there was, I think on some level, particularly as Catholics, we understand that more because Lent of all the other seasons of the church is the one that has the most impact out of church. You know, people are actively thinking about it's Friday, no meat. We got to have our sacrifice and do it through. Now, they might not have all of their ducks lined up for the why this is important and all that, but at least they know it is important and it's it's an important realignment, as you said. And one of the questions that came to me that I wanted to, to ask you, but you kind of answered in the way you continued going was, is this process hard? Because... Certainly, it is different than the way most of us live our lives. Um, you know, being a diocesan priest is different, but then this is a structure on top of that that, as you said, has last 1,500 years and still is rolling strong, given by how many uh, monasteries you guys have. So there's clearly something to it that is not just highly practical, but highly beneficial. And I mean, you gave a solid 15 minutes there and I can tell you barely even, barely even top the, uh, the, the surface of, of the iceberg there. So just the, the, the emphasis that you guys have put upon being, being with God and recognize it and the importance of that in all of our lives, not just today, but throughout it has been something that we have been kind of touching on and off of for 
a while now in our conversations that as you become closer to God, benefits come through that you didn't know were going to be as fruitful until you started living it. Um, you know, you've been doing this for 20 years coming up here and a couple of three days from now. So there's a lot of proof in the pudding, if you will, you know, you're clearly a happy person, you know, and, and you want more people like that in your life. And another aspect is once you become more like that, you attract that kind of people to you. And that's true regardless of what station you're in, becoming closer to Christ or not. And you can see it in society. If you take off the blinders of your own lane and you look around you, what's going on in other places, you certainly will see it. And I'll let you continue back on because I don't want to get completely off track here. But one of the references you made that you also put a, a particular strength on last episode was that there's a purpose for our work. And granted, we all do different things, even within the same company. We're all doing different things and having different roles within the work. But there's an importance and a value to it that isn't just going out and getting a paycheck. There's so much more to it for ourselves individually. Uh, Most people would never connect work to the soul, but that has been the point that I have gotten from you, that there is more than just the satisfaction of, oh, I got a check and now I can go do whatever with the money, but I actually did something that helped someone. And to me, that's not to go completely off the weeds, why I think capitalism is the best way to do it, because your work is creating a profit. Said another way, profit is selling something to make someone fulfill a need or want, aka making them happier. So you participating in that system is helping someone along the line and probably a great deal of people along the line. So there is value in that work. And since you had taken a couple minutes here in our last couple podcasts to point that out, I wanted to highlight there. So we have about eight minutes or so left in this particular episode. And I know that 20 years, it's going to be hard to boil down to just a 30 minute episode. But if you have some of the, the, the key reasons that you should think about joining or that we could just implement into our own lives, you know, not eating in front of the TV forces you to talk to each other. Um, you know, I see it directly with my wife, you know, when we sit down and, and normally in front of the kitchen, it's fine. But when we eat in the living room, obviously it's during the TV and it, it's, it's a little bit different and the days tend to be a little bit off, I guess is a way to put it. So to give you the floor back as, as we conclude today's episode. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for those reflections. It, uh, I can, I can see, I, I, uh, I, I hit a, a sweet spot there and, and the, some of the, the lights that went on for you in, in what I shared. So I'm grateful. And I hope that that's the case for, for the rest of our listeners. Yeah, it's uh, I guess I would just just add one more little point that that uh, is an intersection of Benedictine life and and the rest of the world is uh, Benedictines, especially. So we, we make a vow of stability, uh, and what that means is that we're really committed to a place, and especially in our world, that's you know I mentioned a throwaway culture, 
And, and we also have a world that's a bit transient, you know, it's ready to move on to another job, ready to move on to another place, ready to, you know, get a new house, get a, you know, so, and, and there's nothing evil about any of that. I don't want to uh, make, give that misimpression, but uh, some of it's running away, you know, some of it's, uh, there, there's something deeper going on that's not uh, entirely virtuous, but, uh, but certainly one of the values that the Benedictines have, have maintained is the the sanctification of a place being rooted in a place and so it's one of the things that benedictines have always done is we 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 sanctify we make places holy and that becomes a blessing for everybody else so one of the things that benedictines do is we we always receive guests saint benedict has one of these again there's so many there's so many lines in the rule where you can imagine him with you know kind of a a half uh, uh smile you know one one side of his mouth you know a sort of winking smile uh where, where he says and and the the monks should provide for guests because monasteries are never without them <laughs> and there's a he's aware of uh, kind of protecting the monastic life because there are always people around and so he arranges things so that people can really share in the sanctification of a place and get a little a little taste of the monastic life. So for our Liturgy of the Hours, for example, we welcome people to come and pray with us. Uh, three times a day we gather in the church for the Liturgy of the Hours, and people are welcome to come at any of those times and pray with us. People are welcome to come. We offer retreats uh, just, just to visit the grounds, to come and feel there's, there's a real peace in this place because there's a lot of prayer. We have We've been around for uh, since 1846, so more than 170 years, and we have about 650 monks who are buried here, so plus the hundred and some that live here. I mean, there are hundreds of men who have given their whole lives and have poured that into prayer, sacrifice, and this awareness of God's presence, really cultivating that, cultivating an awareness of it, and 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 in that way also calling down God's presence. It blesses. You know, when we, when we do things in prayer, when we, uh, when we work with love, when we take our time to be aware of God's presence, it blesses that space. It blesses the physical space. It blesses the time. Just like when we do things in sin, you know, when we do things in corruption and malice and uh, when we have an evil content, a selfish, greedy, whatever it is, that curses. You know, it has a, it, things get twisted up in that. So, but the, the Benedictine presence is rooted in a place and we really bless, we really saturate the ground of this place, the air of this place with a lot of prayer and loving sacrifice for, for God. So uh, it's a wonderful thing to think about for people who are rooted and have houses and stay in one place, you know, that do you really saturate it with prayer, with love, with goodness, with acts of kindness for each other, sacrifices of, uh, of generosity and, and, and welcoming people, guests, you know, it's a, and, and I think everybody, you know, we can think of grandma's house, especially when we had kind of holy grandparents, you know, and they're like, there's a lot of good that happened there. And those places can get kind of saturated with that goodness. There's a uh, there's there's a quality to that, 
and it gets rooted. So anyway, it's what Benedictine monasteries offer. It's what St. Vincent offers, and it's something that, that people can do to stay rooted, to saturate places and times with prayer by being aware of God's presence everywhere in everything we do. Yeah, there's something certainly to that, um, to, to have a, a place of stability. And, well, you're obviously talking about a physical place, and there's no doubt about that. You, you can, one of the, the things in my job is I travel around a very wide territory, basically a county and a half. And there are, in Pittsburgh, some neighborhoods that are rental neighborhoods. People rent in them and they leave. Um, you know, they spend a couple of years, whatever, and, and go somewhere else. And then there are places people just, once they move into, they die there. You know, it might be 70 years later, but that's what's going to happen. And you can just tell the difference. There, There's, I don't know exactly how to articulate it, but there is just a concrete difference when that's the case. And there's more of an upkeep generally, and there's more of a, a I guess a calm is a way to put it. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so there's definitely something to that, and and something that that should be be admired. And there's also the same thing true with relationships. You know, the ones that last the longest, and and you're always there with it more, tend to be a lot more meaningful than having a lot of. Uh, tertiary ones that don't really have a lot of depth to them but building depth with someone really turns out to being worthwhile and in some regards i think that that's probably more important than a space and that's obviously something that you know you guys have not just physically been there but you guys have built relationships with each other there for so long and those echoes i think can be felt more so than anything. You, know, you can do some really good concrete work in front of your driveway, and that'll <laughs> last 50 years if you do it right. But you can build a relationship that'll have echoes in the way that you teach other people to love and be friends with each other that can last 150 or years plus. So, uh, or 1,500 years. Even better. So <laughs> that being said, um, we, we do thank everyone for listening here today to this episode, and we will be with you again next week. And if you can, you know, take one thing from this, it's to spend time to reflect on something that you might be taking for granted and to make that a part of your life as clearly it was part of the role to intentionally not take things for granted, especially those which were given by God, which is everything. So that being said, thank you guys for listening and we'll be with you again next week.